What's up, everybody? I'm David Hain. Welcome to episode 59 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I want to give a big shout out to our new listeners from Mexico. That brings our total reach to 45 countries. I'm excited today to interview Dante from our group of eight. We'll be comparing his journey from pornography to freedom with the 700-year-old allegorical poem, Dante's Inferno. I hope you enjoy it. When we come back, we'll get into this episode entitled Pornography, Dante's Inferno. Welcome back to episode 59 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast entitled Pornography, Dante's Inferno. And I'm here with my friend Dante from our group of eight today, so I'll jump right into the interview. How would you describe your journey in realizing that addiction, and for you, addiction to pornography, was really a contradiction to God's will for you and for your life? Well, thanks for the question, David. Um, you know, I really didn't, I think... I didn't have the, the self-awareness at the time to recognize for years that it was a contradiction to God's will. I mean, I, I grew up in church. Uh, I did not truly hear the gospel until I was in my, in my 20s, my, my mid to late 20s. And it was really in the middle of that sin, in the act of it, where a light bulb seemed to turn on and just and I said to myself, you know, not audibly, but just said to myself, you know, I have a problem. And um, uh, I, I, in the back of my mind, I always knew it was wrong. I was always ashamed of it. Um, never made it publicly known that this is something that you do, obviously. You know, when you're around different guys, you kind of joke and you would make fun and whatever. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that was all just a cover up. And uh, it was really in that first admission and then um, afterwards, uh, shortly after that, probably within, I was saying total time, maybe within like 18 months, I found a church and it was a small group and I just felt convicted. And I went and shared my issue with the, the, the leader of the small group in his home of what my issues were. And that was probably one of the biggest steps towards, towards healing um, and, and, and following through with, with that contradictive issue. Um, you know, really at that time, but you know, was there a time where I actually like, you know, knew and had the courage to admit to it? It, it really wasn't until I brought my situation and made it known to, uh, the right people where, um, I actually started to begin to find freedom. Wow. Yeah. Let me, let me follow up on two points you made there. One was, you know, when the light bulb went on, and I heard from a, a dear friend of mine who's since passed, who was addicted to pornography for a long part of his life, mm. that he was actually on his PC one evening after his wife and daughters went to sleep. And he very clearly felt God was speaking to him. And he was, you know, like a semi-believer before that. Mm -hmm. Clearly felt God speaking to him saying, you see the escape button. Mm. 
If you hit the escape button right now, you will escape from this bondage. But if you fail to hit the escape button and hit enter into this website where you're headed, you will be trapped. And so how would you describe your sort of light bulb experience? The light bulb experience was not so much of if you don't now, if you don't do this now, then this will be your kind of ongoing plight. It was more along the lines of, you know, I, I want to get past this. I, I know this is messing me up. I know it's messing my relationships up. Um, one of the things that was, was part of an aha moment to me throughout this process, which is really over a couple of years until a lot of major healing started happening, was um, the Holy Spirit telling me that, you know, it's a lie. These, mm. these things you're looking at, these things, you know, the, the satisfaction it, 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 it temporally gives you, it's a lie. Stop believing the lie. And um, that, that was a phrase I repeated in my head often when I would be tempted or see something and, and God would help call that to mind. Just, hey, it's a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. And, um, and, then, and then diving into scripture and then starting to unpack that more about what, well, then what's the truth? Um, and, and then, and the, the truth is, is that I'm not meant for that type of, that type of relationship. I'm meant to be in a real relationship with a real person uh, and not something I can just make up and control. Yeah, I think that's powerful. And uh, in Dante's Inferno, he really described that lie as not seeing or understanding God's pure and perfect love for us and realizing that his passion and his lust and his rationalizing was the thing that controlled his reasoning and ruled his reasoning. Yeah. Um, so how would you relate that aspect of, you know, being caught where passion and lust just rules your reasoning? Uh, you know, you, your, your, your mind becomes controlled by images and, uh, and, and, and like a lot of men and people in general, but, but more so men, uh, were, you know, I images and, and imagery ha have a big, big impact on how we think and how we focus. Um, and, uh, when I was constantly depositing these, these images in, um, those things stick in your mind and then, and then you start using things comparatively because you're constantly then looking for that, that, that sense of satisfaction that, that, that you viewed something. And then when the, and then when the lust and passions turn greater, you take it to then a selfish act, which kind of solidifies the thoughts and the things you were feeling to go to a, a place of, of, of gratification. And, um, you know, going there, it, it, it starts to shape how, you go through your day, you, there might be someone attractive that, you know, is in such and such a place. And instead of getting to where you got to go, you wait 10 minutes. So you can see the person just, just physically. I mean, it's, and, and it's, it's, it's disgusting and abhorrent, but it's, it's the way your mind starts to work around physical relationships with people. And then also just what your focus becomes it, it, you can't totally focus on the things at hand because this stuff is on your mind. And even in times when I would be in, you know, not thinking about those types of things at all. And then all of a sudden something would come up, something would trigger into memory and I would be totally distracted. And then I would, you know, uh, you know, move away from what I was doing. That was whether it was important or not, or, or relevant to the day is, is not necessarily, um, 
doesn't necessarily matter. It's just, just whatever I was doing or was doing, I now got distracted. And I now, I now went on like a five-minute tangent to, uh, to an hour-long tangent of going down a rabbit hole that just took me to a place where I was totally sidetracked from what I was doing. And then I would justify after the acts were finished, and then I would justify what I did because, all right, good. Now I got that out of the way. Now I can get back to what's real. But what I did, and one of the things that God revealed to me over time was I was, I mean, when you do that, it, you're, you're, you're building up like a constant erosion, right? Uh, um, we're talk, uh, uh, Genesis talks about leaving and cleaving and, and about basically cementing yourself, right? The, the two will join and, and become one flesh. There is a, I learned a couple of years ago in a, in a, in a um, it was more of like a, like a small conference about pornography and about the issues with, with youth and so forth. And I learned about what the actual scientific chemical in the body is that actually causes that, that to become one flesh thing that, that, that God talks about. And the chemical is called vasopressin. It's not dopamine, which is that pleasure chemical, but it's called vasopressin. That, that, that is the, that is the cementing image and basically, or, or, or the cementing chemical within the body. And basically what I was doing was I was cementing myself to something else that didn't exist. So uh, all that does is then when you try to constantly stick to something that isn't there, it just erodes you internally. The, the, the depravity that I took myself to was so deep that, I mean, making conscious decisions about how to engage people, because so much of that then what results is, is deep, deep levels of insecurity. And every person's different with how they handle insecurity. So for me, it would go to arrogance, coarse joking, um, intensity and not being able and, 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 and not being approachable. And all that really was was a defense mechanism because I, I, I eroded myself entirely inside out because I was putting myself to something that just had ultimately it was just something I could control. But the very thing I was trying to control was the very thing that was destroying me. Wow, that's really powerful. Right. And Dante, in, in Dante's Inferno, described his time being caught in that as being in the Black Forest. And when I think of a Black Forest, I think of not the Black Forest in Germany, but I think of, you know, a forest at night. And how would you compare yours? Do you see it as, as that Black Forest or how would you compare your journey out of that trap of pornography? It's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, it was a process, uh, but the, 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 the path was, it was, it was, I was on my knees a lot. I was praying a lot. Um, and there were times where I was very sorrowful over my sin and my issues when I was before God. And when I was honest with myself and honest with him and with the few others that I chose to share this with, in trying to get out of this, um, it was it, it, it was a path where it, at times it felt very dark. It I, I felt full of anxiety at, at, at times, um, uh, and I can remember being over my my bed just one particular time, pleading for about forty five minutes or so to just take this from me. I do not want the effects of this anymore. I do not want to act this way. I don't want to respond to, to the opposite sex this way. Um, I don't want my mind to go all these different places. You know, Lord, show me, teach me. How do I protect my mind? How do I do these things, right? The Paul says in Corinthians about to take everything, every thought into captivity in the mind of Christ. Like, how do I do that? Because I did not know how to do any of that. So it was, it was really like, you know, when, when you are a newborn Christian, 
you, you truly are a babe. You are new. You need to be taught how to live and function as a believer and follower of Jesus. So there was just a path of, of learning and growing and, and, and still today continued humility in, in trusting what God says and trusting what other godly men say and do in, in, in function as to how to get out of the, out of that trap. Um, so uh, at times I would say I did feel uh, alone. Uh, and then as I started to share, I had a handful of people that over time reached out to me, kept touch with me, um, and, and just kept encouraging me, uh, to, to trust the Lord, uh, at, at, as he was leading me through all of this and getting to a place of, of real freedom that by God's power and his grace that I, that, that I've been able to sustain, uh, since that point in time. Awesome. Yeah. I hear a lot of great wisdom in there. I hear, you know, cry out, you know, ask for wisdom, ask for healing. Uh, but then having that humility to accept much as Paul said, you know, please take this thorn from my side. Well, not everybody gets the, the thorn removed immediately. It's not that lightning bolt experience. Right. For some of us, it's sort of like chemotherapy where you keep going back for, for radiation, so to speak. Right. And I think what's, what's awesome that I hear behind what you're saying is we all need to understand that even after we find our healing doesn't mean our weakness is not still going to be our weakness and we have to keep connected and keep growing because temptation's not going to stop knocking on the door. Right, right. And I would say that since a thought that's on my mind is, you know, um, God, uh, Satan wants you to worship anything but God. And God, whose image you were made, and wants you to worship him and him alone. So at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down to where is my focus? Where am I putting my trust ultimately? Because at the, the end of the day, I was putting my trust in something that I could control and not a person who ultimately knew what was best for me and continuing to come to him in in, in humility. Because we, we are, like you said, even if we're healed instantly or that lightning bolt experience or we feel this dramatic release of the, this pressure and deliverance from what we were dealing with, it is still a daily turning your, your, your heart and your mind over to God um, and allowing him to... Uh, you know, take take up residence, and then and then you giving him um, authority and recognizing that authority to work in your life every day. Yeah, and I I heard way in the beginning of this interview when you got the courage to speak to that small mm. group, when you got the courage to just speak up and and be vulnerable and ask for help. And I think really, I'd like to hear because we've got lots of listeners who are struggling, who are still caught in that black forest where it may only take a simple distraction to sidetrack them after days or weeks or months of not going back to pornography. How would you speak to them? How would you speak to the, the youth? And how would you speak to the married men who are out there hiding it from their wives and families to get the courage to ask for help? So it's a great question. And one of the one of the phrases the Lord gave me a number of years ago was that um, the, the key to growth in life is being being able part of the key of growth in life is being able to be vulnerable 
with those who love you, uh, care about you, and challenge you the most. And it's really kind of in, in those three or th- th- those three pieces: loving and caring, and someone who uh, wants wants your best. One of the things I would just say about vulnerability is vulnerability has to be cared for well. Um, the, everyone has a different personality type. Some of us are more talkative and and and, and think and process on our sleeve. And others, us, others of us are somewhere in the middle, or we are completely internal and knows what's going. And, and we can keep a poker face, and no one knows what's going on with us. I would say that when you, you you need to a be wise about who you share this with, because you are um, in, in a place where you are very vulnerable. And it's not that y- y- you're going to be damaged if someone hears this and they, you know, don't, you know, don't like it or they just don't respond well to you. Um, but un- until you are able to release that you're you're really still it still has power over you and you know james talks about confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so we could be healed and and i want to be healed so that 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 was that was the primary motivation of 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 going then but i think you know going to your pastor going to a trusted friend um going to someone who you believe has your best interest And, and listen that person may not even know how to respond to this i mean this is something that is a big, big deal regarding addiction, but nobody talks about it. And when it's talked about, it's like jokes are made, you make fun of it, and then it's hush hush and don't bring it up again. Um, so j- just just be aware that you might not get the response that is most helpful for you initially, uh, because everyone might respond differently because we all have our own brokenness that we're dealing with. But I would tell you to find a person or two, maybe even three, maybe if you're in a small group, uh, you know, with your church, if there's, you know, a uh, half a dozen to a, a, a dozen people there who love you and care about you. Um, you know, sharing that is, will, will bring about uh, opening up a wound for yourself that they may not know how to handle, but you know, God's word leads and, and guides. And, and if you stay prayerful and, and keep engaging, even if that person doesn't willfully engage you, I would encourage you to continue to engage and continue to seek wise counsel of, of how to work through this. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. If you enjoy these podcasts, share the link with your friends and contacts around the world. If you'd like to hear an interview with any of the other group of eight members, drop me a message. Tune in Monday for our next episode. And as always, stay safe and stay strong.